We've been doing the great stories of the Bible for a long time in this class, and when it came to Christmas season, it just seemed natural to do the story of Jesus. And uh, in the story of Jesus, there is so much. We had to deal with the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, um, the one from Genesis 3 where God confronts Satan and says, uh, that the seed of the woman that you deceived is one day going to crush your head. and That was a prophecy about Jesus. And other great prophecies from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, um, that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And then uh, we studied the, the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, and, and the great role that he played in Jesus coming to earth and his message and his ministry. Um, the angel announcement to Mary, the angel announcement to Joseph, um, their tender hearts and obedient hearts to fit in with God's plan. And um, then uh, the actual event of Jesus' birth, including the announcement from the angel and the angelic host to the shepherds. Uh, today, we're we're following up the actual event of Jesus' birth, and we'll do a, at least a couple of more uh, sessions on this uh, whole follow-up of the birth of Christ. And so today, we're going to be talking about uh, the circumcision of Jesus. There's just one verse given to it, and if you'll look at Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child... He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. On the eighth day, uh, that was the prescription in Old Testament law that, that male children were to be circumcised on the eighth day. But before we talk about the specifics of just um, the eighth day, let's talk about circumcision itself. I'd like you to go with me to Genesis chapter 17, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Um, the whole rite of circum circumcision has um, deep roots in um, God's relationship with his people, and it began with Abraham. And so let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Okay, do you, did you catch how old he is? He's 99. And God is saying, I'm going to greatly increase your numbers. He has no uh, children uh, of his own at this point other than Ishmael. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And this is the really important part. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Everything else that he said before then was good. 
that he was going to make of him um, uh, a great nation, that nations would come from him. Uh, that was all good, but to be his God and the God of his descendants, that was the important thing. And um, so that, that covenant that God made with Abraham, Let's continue now reading through with verse 8. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside is a foreigner. I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. And verse 9 goes like this. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you the covenant that you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. And so, God's part of the covenant was that he was going to make nations come out of Abraham. Um, he was going to have many descendants, and he was going to be their God. Um, that was his part of the covenant. Their part of the covenant was to remember what God had done by performing an act on their male children. Every male child that was born needed to be circumcised. And this circumcision would then be a reminder to them of their commitment to God and of God's commitment to them. A very important step. How serious was this in the life of Jews? Did they really follow through with this every time? And how common was circumcision at that time? Circumcision was performed not only by Jews, although primarily there were other nations that performed circumcision. Um, but the Jews, for the Jews, it was not um, primarily a, a, an act of um, health. Um, it was not primarily um, for any other reason than to remember their covenant that God had made with them. And their part of the covenant, of course, was to be faithful to God and to love him and to be his people, to be committed to him. And so the reminder of that commitment of them to him and of him to them was circumcision. Circumcision was so important that um, during the time of Moses, when um, God had called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and into the promised land. And he had met him in the burning bush and described what he was going to do and, and had called Moses. And Moses was in the process of carrying out this call and going to see Pharaoh. And in Exodus chapter 4, um, a very interesting passage in verse 24, the Lord meets Moses and says to him, basically, I'm going to kill you. And um, the reason was, is that Moses had not circumcised his son. And his wife knew this. And so she grabs a knife and she, she takes off the foreskin of their son and lays it at Moses' feet. 
And uh, this, is, this is just an amazing um, thing that happened because Moses had been called by God to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And yet he's decided to kill him because he's not kept his covenant of circumcision. Another instance that lets us know how important this was, was during the time of the entrance into the promised land. After Moses has passed off the scene and Joshua is now the leader, They've crossed the Jordan River. The, the waters have parted, just like the Red Sea parted. And the nation of Israel has gone across. But before they're allowed to engage anybody in warfare, God um, asks them to circumcise all the uncircumcised males. And so they do that. They stop at a location on the west side of the Jordan River before they do anything in Jericho or any other city, uh, they just take time to circumcise every male. What had happened is that the Jews that had left Egypt were circumcised, but once they got into the wilderness, they didn't circumcise any of their males. I don't know if they, it just wasn't convenient or if, um, you know, maybe hygiene couldn't be kept or they couldn't stay in one place long enough. I don't know the reason, but they had not circumcised any of the, the newborn males that were born um, during the time of the wilderness wandering. And so these were now the soldiers that were going to be fighting the battles and they were uncircumcised. And God says, no, the very first thing to do is to do that because that's the sign of the covenant. It's not the act of circumcision that was important, but it was the sign of the covenant. It, if, it, if it had been some other sign, that would have been the important thing. And so circumcision was a very important thing. Now, there were some people that did it just because that was required. They never thought about it and never really... Um, thought about God or anything else. Just like today, we can do things like communion in our worship services, and some people will eat the wafer and down the cup of juice, and they've never thought twice about the, de about the death of Jesus. Other people uh, use that time to really remember the sacrifice of Jesus, and they take it as a very personal time um, to say thank you to the Lord for what he's done and to reflect on uh, sins perhaps that may need to be confessed uh, to keep uh, short accounts with the Lord, so to speak. Uh, it was the same during the time of Jesus. Some young couples with a, a newborn boy were going through the motions but never thought about the significance of circumcision. What do you think about Joseph and Mary. What kind of attitude do you think they had as they went to have him circumcised? From what I've read about Mary in Luke chapter two, about her willingness to take on this task of being the mother of our Lord, and of Joseph, uh, Jesus' stepfather, also being willing to forego what appeared to be um, an affair that, that his uh, 
future wife Mary had had. He realized that she was pregnant. He was going to divorce her. An angel comes to him and says, no, that's from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And he does it. Um, he throws away his plan because God has spoken to him. And so these, these are sensitive spiritual people. And I can imagine as they took Jesus to have him circumcised, that it was a very meaningful experience for them. And um, that um, they renewed their commitment to God and they remembered God's commitment to them. And perhaps there was even worship and rejoicing on their part over being um, allowed to be the parents of Jesus. Um, I believe that it was a very significant time for them. And so, um, it was at the circumcision of Jesus that he was named. And this is significant. I don't know if you remember in the passage we just read that when God gave Abraham the um, sign of the covenant as circumcision, he also changed his name at that point. His name had been Abram. Exalted Father. And he changed his name to Abraham, father of many, because part of his covenant to Abraham at that point is that he would be the father of many nations and that many people would come from him. And so um, significant now that um, the Jews would name their, their boys, especially at the time of circumcision. We know the same was true of John the Baptist, that his parents named him John at his circumcision. And you can read about that at the end of John chapter 1, or at the end of Luke chapter 1, I'm sorry. <clears throat> well, let's talk about names. In the Hebrew world, a name was a very important thing. As we said with Abraham, um, the, the name Abram, his, his given name, meant exalted father. And then the name that God gave him when he established his covenant, including circumcision, was Abraham, father of many. And you can think about Jacob. Remember Jacob, who was the twin brother of Esau and when he came out of the womb, he was named Jacob, which means supplanter, trying to, to, to hold on, you know, to his twin brother's heel. And, um, and yet, when Jacob had a change of heart, God changed his name to Israel. And it came after that encounter when he wrestled with God. And um, so these names meant something. Let's, let's go now to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. This is the end of the angel's time with, uh, with Joseph. And he says to him about his wife Mary, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, something about Jesus must mean he will save his people from their sins. Well, it does. Jesus 
is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua. Joshua means, in Hebrew, the Lord saves. And so Jesus, Greek translation of that Hebrew word, means the Lord saves. And so um, the angel said, that's to be his name to to Joseph. He said the same thing to Mary. Um, His name will be Jesus. But in this case, with Joseph, uh, the definition of the name is given because he will save his people from their sins. So the name of Jesus was not like a, just a name that sounded good. You know, we, we, uh, I remember in naming our kids, every name was significant in some way. But I, I know some parents, they just name uh, kids because they like the sound of a name. Well, I like the sound of George, or I like the sound of Everett, or something like that. And um, not here. Names were given for a purpose, and particularly when God gave a name to the angel for his son, it was for a very specific reason. And so um, that purpose was fulfilled. The, the, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. The apostles preached this. I'd like you to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when um, the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues and they were speaking about, about the Lord and his great work in languages of many nations. And, and the people are amazed because these people didn't know how to speak in those languages. It was a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter stands up to explain all this. And as he's talking about Jesus, who these Jews had had crucified, in essence, he says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, will be saved. So he's, he's right away preaching about Jesus, who will save the people from their sins. And in the teaching of the church, this was um, taught in many ways through hymns, through um, uh, creeds that the church would, would recite every time that they got together. It was drilled into them that Jesus came to save sinners, and they believed it. When Jesus was on earth before he left, he gave permission to use his name for acts of, of might and power. And so In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, he says this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, at first look, it sounds as though you can just speak the name Jesus and and then have anything that you're asking. And... Um, there's, there's some merit to that thinking, but I think this goes a little bit deeper. Um, when you think about doing something in someone's name, you're doing something that represents them and that they would do themselves were they there in person. And so um, when we ask for things in Jesus' name, we're, we're not just asking, um, I'm not just saying, uh, Lord, I... 
I've been wanting to have this really sharp red Ferrari for a long time, and, and so I'm going to ask you for that. In Jesus' name, give me a red Ferrari. And we, boom, expect it to be there? Well, would Jesus be asking for a red Ferrari? Were, were he here? And the answer to that is probably no. Um, sorry for uh, some of you that would really like to have one of those. And, and so we're asking um, according to his will. That's what it means to ask in his name. And also asking for things that he is really invested in, things that are part of his kingdom and part of his, um, um, that are very important to him. But the name Jesus, the spoken name of Jesus, is still very, very powerful. Here is um, something that the Apostle Paul said about the name of Jesus, and I'd like for us to read this today. Philippians chapter 2. So um, in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul is speaking about Jesus, and uh, he talks about how he, um, he left heaven, and in fact, Rather than me talk it through, let's just read the scripture and then we can make some comments. So Paul is saying about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's go back and just recount what, what happened here. So Jesus left heaven. He gave up his divine position and status. And he humbled himself, taking on human form. Not just becoming a human, but becoming a human to the point of suffering death. And not just a normal death, dying in your sleep peacefully, but death on a cross, the most gruesome and brutal of executions. Uh, he, he submitted to that because he loved us. And verse 9 says that because of that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and so forth. Gave him the name that is above every name. You know what the best name in the universe is? Without question, it's Jesus. I love every one of my children. I love their names. I love to say their names. Um, but the best name, the greatest name in the universe is Jesus. And... Uh, that's because he is our Lord and Savior. He is God's son. He, was, um, he humbled himself. 
He came from heaven. He died for our sins. And we are forgiven today because of what he did and the sacrifice that he made. I love to think about the meaning of things. And today we've taken time to, to just dissect one verse. Um, if you want to go back to that verse that we began with today in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, and, you know, we could have just skipped over that, but I think it's significant that um, in an event that was called upon so that people would remember their personal commitment to God and their national commitment to God, that on that day, Jesus was named, that he was publicly named. And so um, the name of Jesus is, is our, our basis of salvation. Um, through him, we are saved. His name means the Lord saves. And he came not only to bear that name, but to do that. And so um, on that day when commitments are once again remembered to God, Jesus was named. Jesus, the Lord saves. And I'm so glad that he's our Lord and Savior. I'd like to pray with you before we close today. Thank you, Lord, for the great name of Jesus. Thank you that you came not to rule, not to judge, not to condemn, not to enjoy pleasure, but to save. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving each person that's part of this class today. We want to commit our lives to you in the same way that you have committed your life to us. Thank you for this wonderful time of the year when we can remember that Jesus came to save. Amen. Well, thank you for being part of this class today. and We'll continue next week with another aspect of Christ's coming. God bless you.